0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorce. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Today we're going to talk about riding the waves, we're going to talk about breathing, and we're going to talk about rest. Seems like the Lord's had me talking about that uh, quite a bit here lately. Maybe there's people here that are overworked, but you know God wants us also to rest. So there's so much to learn from the beach, isn't there? I mean, this is the third message. Somebody came up to me in the very beginning. They said, how in the world are you going to do an entire series on life is better at the beach? I said, just trust me. I said, there's a lot to preach about when you go to the beach. And so there's much to learn from the beach. God wants us to be effective. And this means that we must live strategically. In other words, if we're going to win people to Jesus, we're going to win people to Jesus on purpose. Very few people get saved by accident. Very few people get saved by accident. and So we have to live strategically. We have to live our lives strategically. And so part of this strategy is building time into our lives for the movement of God in our lives. I want you to grab your Bible, please, and go to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. And there's just a couple of scriptures here that I want to share with you in the very beginning. We're going to do Romans chapter 8, verse number 6, and then we're going to slip to the left in our Bible to Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24. And these scriptures will probably be up on the screen. I think I built them in there last night. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 and uh, verse number 24. Okay, let's start in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. Here's what the Bible says. For to be carnally minded is death, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's life and what? Life and peace. All right. Now, going to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, here's what the Bible says. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So I want to talk to you, I want to begin talking to you today about riding the waves, which simply means adjusting to the motion of God in our lives. There's three main things that create waves. Number one, there's undercurrents that create waves. Most of the time you don't see the undercurrents. You know they're there because every now and then they reach up and grab something and pull it and take it way out and they have to swim back if they ever surface again. But we see the undercurrents there. And undercurrents are is motion that's taking place below the surface that you do not see. And I began to think about that and I thought, you know God, there are times in our lives when it seems like that we're standing still. In fact, some of you may be there right now. Some of you may be living your life day by day, week by week, month by month, hopefully not year by year, but there was a stretch of about six years in my life when God just put me on the shelf. I mean, my goodness, I had preached revivals, I had preached camp meetings, I had pastored churches, I had done all kinds of things, and then it's like the Lord just cherry-picked me and put me right up there on, my she- on the shelf. And I, in fact, I prayed and I said, God, if you're done with me, take me home. Because I didn't feel like anything was happening. But looking back, I can see that there was the undercurrent of God shifting God was shifting, God was shaping, God was fashioning, God was creating opportunities for me down the road, but there were things that needed to be fixed in me during that amount of time. So I want to encourage you today, if you're just going along and it seems like nothing is happening, and it seems like that that you're serving God and you're just getting up one day, going to work, coming home, sitting down, going to sleep, getting up, and you just seem like you're in that routine and it seems like nothing's happening. Listen, if you are dedicated to God, if you love the Lord, if He means more to you than anything in the world, then God is still ordering your steps. God knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart, and He is working on your behalf. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not be aware of it because there are things that are happening under the surface, but there's going to come a time when that wave is going to surface, and when it does, you're going to have to adjust to the motion of God and the move of God in your life. Now, the second thing that creates waves, and, and there are several things that create waves, but three main ones. The second thing is the wind. Now, the wind is something that we hear sometimes, but, But we can't see it. We can see the effects of it. I mean, up here, we're close to the water here. We're maybe 10 minutes from the Gulf. And sometimes when the storms blow in, you can see the palm trees bend over. And you can see the effects of the wind. But you can't see the wind, right? But you can see the effects of the wind. And so sometimes it may seem like that everything around you is shaking but you. Sometimes it may seem like that, that, God, I can see you moving. God, you're moving for this one, and God, you're moving for that one, and God, you're moving over here, and you're moving over there. But what about right here, God? <laughs> How many can relate? What about right here, God? When's it going to be my time? Lord, when, when are you going to move through me? When are you going to move on me? When are you going to move in me? The truth is, He's probably already moving in you, and He's probably already moving through you. And He's probably already using you to affect lives that are around you that you don't even know. There are people that watch you. They watch how you handle situations. They, watch, they listen to every word that you speak. They watch you. You are their example. You are their number one primary example of a Christian. And the Bible tells us this, that we should not make the cross of Christ of none effect and bring Him to an open shame. So we have to take responsibility for the fact that sometimes being a Christian and living for God is just being. And if we will be what God has created us to be, then the doing will eventually take care of itself. There's so many people today, they're like, God, I want you to use me to preach foreign crusades. God, I want you to use me to build a great business. God, I want you to use me to to put together an album, God. That'll just reach around the world. God, I want you to do this. God, I want you to do that. And they've got all of these great ideas of what they... But we have to examine the why. Why do we want God to do that? Do we want God to do that so our name will be splashed across the marquee? Do we want God to do that because we want to be famous? Do we want God to do that because we want to get to the point financially, supposedly it's a business where people are constantly looking at us and and coming to us and saying, wow, look at what they have. We have to examine the why. Why do we want God to move for us? Why do we want God to touch us? Why do we want God to bless us? Why do we want God to use us in that way? Is it because we're prideful? Or is it because we love Him and we just want to plunder hell and populate heaven? Is that why? Is that why? And so sometimes when we're looking around and we're seeing God move for this one and this one and this one and this ministry is growing and that ministry is growing and this person has been successful and their business is growing and they're moving into a nicer home and they're going down and buying a new car and it seems like everything is going fine for them. Sometimes when it looks like activity is going on around us and nothing is happening in us, sometimes that is a sign that we need to say, God, we need to have a talk and whatever is broken in me, fix it. Fix it. Okay, now, you say, well, why would you say that? Because God is no respecter of persons. Because what He'll do for one, He'll do for the other. In fact, Jesus said, the works I do, you'll do in greater because I send the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead and cleansed the leper and caused the blind to see and the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and the dumb to... If Jesus did that and He said, the works I do, you can do in greater, then that's exactly what He meant. And if that's not happening in our life, then there is a reason, reason and we have that responsibility. The third, the third way that waves are made. This is one of my favorite way, ways to make waves. The third way is with a boat. My favorite lake is Table Rock Lake in Branson, Missouri. I grew up in in that part of the country, and I've been going to that lake almost my whole life. I love Lake of the Ozarks. I love Table Rock Lake. I like Lake Tannicomo, which flows out of the bottom of Table Rock Lake. I'm just country enough to like to go up there, get in a boat, and go fishing. But when you're coming into the marina, just like it is out here, when you're coming into the marina, you'll see signs that say no wake. What does that mean? That means don't create waves. Slow down and don't create the waves. Now, when I thought about that, I thought, Lord, there are... And we're talking about adjusting to the motion of God in our life. I thought, God, there are times in our life when we try to make things happen, right? There are times when we try to make things happen. We're like, God, if you're not going to do this, then I'm going to. Lord, you called me, and so here we go. And then we, and then we back up and we say, Lord, I'm just trying to do what you called me to do. How come things aren't working? Because God's timing is different than your timing. Did you know that there is a different anointing not just for every season in your life, there are different anointings for every season in your life, but there are different anointings in different places. When I went up to Canada, to Waskaganish, Quebec, and preached uh, this past weekend up there, it was a totally different anointing. It was a camp meeting anointing. Sunday night, get, re- get ready for this. You ready for this? Sunday night, the service was five hours long. Do that do that. It was like five hours long. And that was the last night of the camp meeting. Every other service was three or four hours long. Friday night, three or four hours long. Saturday morning, two or three hours long. uh, Saturday night, three or four hours long. Sunday night, five hours long. I'm like, dear God, what in the world? And we're all gathered around. There's a bunch of people that had left, but they were just, there was just a group that was there, and they were there, and probably a group of maybe 50 or 60, I don't know, but they were there, and they were just waiting on the Lord and just worshiping God, and it's like God just got rid of everybody who wasn't really that hungry for Him. And then all of a sudden, about four and a half hours into that five-hour service, wham! And the power of God hit that place. And people were shaking and quaking under the power of God. And so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, my Lord, I don't want to have any, I don't want to have five-hour services. God, God, I, Lord, (laughs) dear God. I mean, that would mean we would start at 10 and get out at three. How how many would stay? How many would like that? I mean, there's a few that, that probably would stay and a few that probably would like it. But 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 the majority of us were like, my goodness. My goodness. So many times we try to make things happen, don't we? So many times we try, and you say, well, how do I make things happen? How, how would I try to make things happen? Here's a great way to try to make things happen. You say, you know what? When I was growing up in church 30 years ago, and I'm speaking of myself, when I was growing up in church 30 years ago, here are the songs they sang, here's the way that they worshiped, here's what happened. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in the past that we can't pay attention to what God is trying to do right here in the here and now. And so when we try to recreate that which happened in the past because we were born in the fire back then and we can't stand the smoke. How many's ever heard that? And so, so many times when we try to recreate those things, if we don't watch it, we get into that rhythm of trying to recreate what was because we're hungry for the move of God and we don't feel like that God is moving in the generation in which, in which we're living and we miss the move of God. Jesus Himself looked over Jerusalem And He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. Jerusalem lost the day of their visitation. The Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Himself walked the streets of Jerusalem. How many times as the presence of God came through. And we don't recognize it because we're stuck in what has been or what will be. So we have to adjust to the motion of God in our lives. Things change. Things change. Things change. And, and you know, Dr. Summerall made the statement to us. There's a few of us in a the room there one day, Lester Summerall, a few of us in the room one day. And somebody asked him, they said, Dr. Summerall, he said, they said, how in the world have you been able to stay, quote, relevant all of these years? And here's what he said. He said, I've always just licked my finger, stuck it in the wind, found out the direction that the Spirit of God was moving, didn't try to recreate anything, I just jumped into the flow and went with what God was doing in that generation. And he told us, he said, if you want to last, you're going to have to do that. And church, that's what I'm telling you this morning. This is not the 70s. This is not the 80s. This is not the 90s, this is not the 2000s, this is 2017. And God is trying to thrust in the sickle and reap the harvest of this generation. And we need to cooperate with God in what He's trying to do so we can see a great revival come across our nation. Now, you can't stop a wave. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't stop a wave. You can't stop it. Everybody go. whoo, come on. You can't stop away. Nikki's a little concerned about flying. She doesn't like to fly. And we took off there from Cleveland, and uh, we we were just getting ready to leave the ground. And I've flown enough during my lifetime that I can pretty much tell you just about the second that the wheels are going to leave the ground, you know. And Nikki, she's sitting over by the window, and she's all this kind of... And I looked at her and said, hey, girl. She looked at me, and just as soon as the wheels came off the ground, I said, hey, girl. She looked at me, and I went, whoo. But you can't stop a wave, but you can adjust to it. And that's what a lot of people try to do. They need to quit fighting God. Quit fighting God concerning the direction and purpose for their lives. Listen, life is not about stopping the waves. It's about adjusting our sails. It's about adjusting to the wind flowing with God. Now listen to me very closely. Flowing with God brings supernatural favor and a sense of peace in our life. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, here's what it says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to focus on adjusting to the wave. Now riding waves takes practice. Did you know that once you learn how to do that, that a wave will carry you? Did you know that a wave can carry you? A wave can either crash on top of you and injure you, or a wave can carry you. How can a wave carry you? Of course, on a surfboard, a wave can carry you but you're going to have to adjust to the wave. There's an entry point. There's an exit point. You're going to have to adjust to the wave in order for the wave to carry you. Did you know that God wants to carry you? Did you know that God wants to carry you to a place of His power? Did you know that God wants to carry you to a place of your destiny? Did you know that God wants to carry you to a place where His anointing and His favor is in your life? Here's what you have to do. You have to learn how to ride the wave. We have to learn how to ride the wave. Here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 10, 35. Cast not therefore your confidence, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Well, I don't know how to ride a wave. Well, neither do I, but it won't stop me from trying. Come on. Well, I don't know how to adjust to what God's trying to do today. Just jump out there and try it. God will meet you, not just halfway. God will meet you at the point when you step out in faith. He'll say, come on, come this direction. Come this I'll teach you how to ride that wave. I'll teach you how to stand up on that surfboard. I'll teach you how to adjust to the wave. I'll teach you how to get from where you are to where I want you to be. But you're going to have to get to the point where you're going to have to trust me and try to ride the wave. Now, I don't know about you, but except for Jesus and maybe Peter, I don't think any of us were created to walk on water. But maybe we can ride on it. Maybe we can ride on it. We have to learn to adjust to the wave. Turn to your neighbor and say, we've got to adjust to the wave. Tell them, adjust. Adjust. Now, it takes boldness, doesn't it? It takes boldness. Sometimes we have to take the plunge. Now, the second thing that I want to talk to you about this morning, because we're talking about life is better at the beach. The second thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is that sometimes we need to just breathe. You know, Donna and I, a couple, well, was it last night or the night before? We have a couple of shows that we like to watch. One is Alaskan Bush People. Whoever watched Alaskan Bush People? Some of y'all like <laughs> But But we like, to watch, uh, we like to watch Alaskan Bush People. And so we're watching this episode of Alaska Bush People just trying to catch up. And, you know, it's kind of like this. If, if I'm out traveling or something like that, we'll just DVR it and then we save it and we watch it together. Uh, or if I'm traveling and I'm actually in the room, sometimes she'll watch it while it's on and I'll watch it and we'll be on the phone and we'll watch it. So it's kind of our show, you know, it's one of our shows. And so we're watching Alaskan Bush People, and we're catching up on it, and we found out that uh, three of the children were heading back to Brown Town. How many watched that, that episode? They're headed back to Brown Town uh, because one of them had gotten injured or something like that. And on the way there, that, that little guy, what's that little long haired guy that climbs trees like a monkey? Who is that? Which I can't remember. Bear. That's his name. Bear. Okay. And so he's standing here. <laughs> he's uh, standing here in the back of the boat. His two sisters are in the boat they're coming into the cove where they had built brown town up and all this kind of stuff and he makes the statement he said can you smell smell the fresh air just smell it can't you smell it it's so invigorating and it's so inviting and stuff. all this kind of and it's just going on and i thought to myself you know sometimes here i am trying to watch alaskan bush people and i'm getting spiritual connotations out of this show <laughs> And I'm thinking to myself, you know, sometimes God changes where we are and sometimes we need to just stop for a moment and just smell what God is doing. Okay. I share this little story with you that happened to me several years ago. I'd been up in Canada. I'd been preaching for a long time. I came home. I was totally exhausted. I'm, my parents were pastoring in Charlotte, Michigan at the Pentecostal Church of God Church there in Charlotte, Michigan. And so... Uh, I was in the parsonage there. It was early in the morning, really early. It was the winter time, and the Lord spoke to me, spoke to me, and He said, "I want you to get up, and I want you to walk around the block." I said, "Lord, it's winter time." He said, "Get up, get dressed, walk around the block." So I'm walking around the block, and I started smelling roses, and so. I went around the block I mean it was so strong the smell of the roses were so strong that I actually walked around the block one more time looking to see if maybe there were windows open or something where someone had put roses or something, because this was winter time You're not supposed to be smelling roses in the winter time And so I came in and when I came in and I didn't see any roses and so when I came in mother was up and you know that's back in the days when the wives made lunch for the husbands in their lunch box to go to work. That's back then. Now it's like, make your own lunch. But <laughs> back then, but back then the women took care of their men and made them lunch and put little notes in there and all that kind of stuff. I get little notes sometimes in my luggage when I travel. But anyways, so I walked in and mom is up and she's making dad lunch, filling up his lunch box. And she said, what are you doing up? I said, well, Mama, I said, the Lord spoke to me to get up and go for a walk. And I said, I got up and went for a walk, and I said, the strangest thing, I said, I've walked around this block two different times. It's about 530 in the morning. I've walked around this block two different times, and I keep smelling roses. I said, that's just strange, isn't it? And she said, no, it's not, is it? I said, why not? She said, because he's the beautiful rose of Sharon. She told me, she said, God is so close to you, son. She said, You're so close to him right now that you could actually smell him. Sometimes we need to just breathe, don't we? Sometimes we need to just breathe. God is the one who gives us the fresh air. Breathing in the fresh air helps us relax, it helps us alleviate stress. How many times when you go down to the beach and you just stand there and you breathe in that fresh air and it's like all of a sudden your senses come alive again? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, woo! oh, wow, this is wonderful. This is great. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 116 and verse 2. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. Because He bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. It's easier to pray when we know God is listening. And we know God is listening when we pray. Some people say, I don't know why God doesn't listen to me. I look at him and say, have you prayed lately? I don't know why God doesn't speak to me. Have you prayed lately? Here's what the Bible said, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will. Somebody say according to His will. There's the caveat. According to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. So my encouragement to you today is this, just breathe. When the storms of life are raging, just breathe. When life feels like it is suffocating you, just breathe. Breathe in God's peace, breathe out life's stress. Breathe in God's presence, Breathe out life's loneliness. You just go on. you can just continue to go on there. So we need to learn to just breathe. The last thing that I want to talk to you about here today is hand me a hammock, please. What does this mean? This means that we need to learn to rest. Look at your neighbor and say, "If you don't, Snooze, you lose. (laughs) If you don't snooze, you lose. God didn't create us to just work. America is the only nation in the world that works themselves into the grave like we do. I mean, God wants us to work. The Bible teaches us. Now read it in just a few moments. God wants us to work six days and the seventh day we are supposed to rest. But America is the only, and you know why? Because Americans, some people say we're driven to succeed. No, we're driven to greed. We're driven to greed. The love of money has taken over the United States of America. I think the reason is because we've had so many people going like this around the world and we're too proud to say, nope, I'm sorry, we don't have it anymore. I think it's important for us To say, Lord, I thank you. You said you'd put a roof over my head. You said you'd put shoes on my feet. You said you'd put clothes on my back. You said you'd take care of those around me that concern me. You'd put food in our bellies. And Lord, I thank you for taking care of us. But God, you know what? I don't have to have all of this stuff to feel successful. You know what makes you a wealthy person? The relationships that you have around you. The people in the pew that's around you and the chairs that are around you. Yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening Seth had a birthday and yesterday evening we just invited the whole family over and we just sat there and grilled some chicken and I'm sitting there and my uncle's there and my aunt's there and our whole family's there and I just looked around and I thought to myself there's absolutely nothing else I could want in this moment. My kids were there. My daughter in law was there. My grandchild was there. My other grandkid. They're all there. They were all just there. And I'm like, Lord, I'm a wealthy person. I'm a wealthy man. Now, I might not have three or four million dollars in the bank. And, you know, I might not be driving, you know, a Rolls Royce or something like that. Wouldn't be anything wrong if I did, but I'm not. And I might not be doing that. But you know something? The most valuable thing that you have around you is to relate, pay attention to how you treat people. Pay attention to how you treat people. When we get tired, when we get exhausted, things come out of our mouth that shouldn't come out. We hurt people when we're tired. We need to learn to rest. If you don't snooze, you will lose. God did not just create you to work. He also created you to rest. Now God didn't create us to do life alone, but there are times when we need our alone time. And so we need to prepare to rest. How do we do that? These are some things that I have learned. Number one, you're going to have to remove the distractions. What does that mean? That means turn off your phone. Come on, somebody should have broke out speaking in tongues and we should have had tongues and interpretation over that. (laughs) Turn off your phone, for goodness sake. Come on, come on, turn off your phone. Absolutely no social media whatsoever. No Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, no LinkedIn, no YouTube, no Snapchat. You're resting. You're resting. It amazes me. I'm getting on a rabbit trail here. But it amazes me at the things that people put on social media. My goodness. My goodness, they put all these kind of crazy things on social media. And and here's the ones that really get me. These are the ones that get me cranked up and I have to pray through over all the time. You ever seen one of those bait posts? You know what a bait post is? They won't say anything but, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm going through what I'm going through right now. And that's it. And what they're trying to do is get everybody to say, oh honey, what's wrong? Oh dear, what's wrong? Oh please let me... No, God, and, and it's so funny because you go down through there and people just start prophesying and all kinds of stuff like that and, and you have absolutely no idea what it's about. It's just people trying to get attention. What if we spent half as much time on our knees as we did on social media? Say that again, Pastor. What if we spent half as much time on our knees as we did social media? What would God do for us? What would God do for our community? What would God do for our family? And what would our spiritual condition look look like? Here's what you need social media for. You need social media to to stay connected to those that you love and you need social media to encourage one another. You do not need social media to put your family's mess out there and try to get everybody feeling bad for you and sorry for you. So go home and clean up your Facebook and clean up your Twitter and clean up your Instagram and then turn your phone off and go rest. I can't hide behind this pulpit. (laughs) Here's another thing that I've learned. I'm talking about removing distractions. Turn off your phone. Forget social media for a few hours when you're resting, during the time that you're resting. Just forget social media. Quit trying to answer your emails. Oh, I forgot to answer that. It can wait. Look at your neighbor and say, it can wait. It can wait. Now here's another big one. If you're really, really, really resting, don't invite everybody in their brother. You know, I fit pretty well in a hammock. And you can add Donna, but you get more than us two in a hammock? And there's not enough room. When you're resting, when you're resting, then don't invite a whole bunch of friends. Oh, come over. We're just going to rest. Come over. Unless you're going to watch a movie or something like that. But but if you're really, really resting, don't invite everybody and their brother over. You know what's going to happen? They're going to come over to your house. They're going to eat all your food, create a great big mess, and then leave. And you're going to have to clean it all up. Hallelujah. So, and then here's what you need to do. If you're really going to rest, go somewhere where, where you won't be disturbed. You know you won't be disturbed and just rest. So we need to create this rhythm of working and then resting. The Bible says it like this. Six days we labor, the seventh we rest. Exodus 31, 15. Six days my work, may work be done, but in the seventh, is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord, whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. That's under the law. That's under the law. But let me ask you this. If you work seven days a week, and you never rest, then you're killing yourself. God did not create you. To work seven days. He created you to work six. He didn't create you to work five and then take two days off. He created you to work six. He created you to work six days. Now, how many has ever heard of Chick-fil-A? Hallelujah. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has a company policy that on Sundays they are never open, ever. Your average, I did a study on this, your average fast food restaurant grosses about a million dollars a year. The average fast food restaurant. Do you know how much a Chick-fil-A, and they work seven days a week. Do you know how much Chick-fil-A grosses? Your average Chick-fil-A, if you average it out, you know what they gross? Five to six million a year. And they don't work on Sunday. Do you think that there is something to be said for this principle of rest? Yes. Well, why, why is it so important that I rest? Because rest makes you more alert. Rest improves your mood. It helps you think better. It reduces your fatigue. It revitalizes your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And rest helps you hear God better. Here's what the Bible said, Leviticus 23 and 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocations. Not the same scripture I read before. This is the next book. Ye shall do no work. Somebody say no work no work therein, it is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. In all your dwellings. Now, how many think that we should keep the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt. How come we think we should keep them all except for the one about the Sabbath? And under the law, if you worked on the Sabbath, you could be killed. That's how important it is to God that you rest. Tell your neighbor, say, I think I'm gonna start resting a little bit. You say, you say, you say, Well, I've just got too much to do during the week. And I just can't get it all done. Who said you have to work just eight hours? I can't remember when I worked an eight-hour day. And that's not because I worked four- and five-hour days. (laughs) Preachers don't just work on Sunday. I tell people, you don't pay me to preach. I've preached for free my whole life. You pay me for all the other stuff I do. You pay me for putting up with you. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 I, I checked it out the other day. Before I left, I thought, I wonder how many hours I worked this week. And I, and I figured it up. And I still took Saturday off. But I figured it up and I would worked 72 hours that week. Listen, whoever came up with this idea that you can only work six or eight hours a day or 40 hours is a full day, full week's work or something like that. Uh, you, you know, I mean, there's no place in the Bible that says that. There's no place, if you need to work 10 hours a day so you can rest on Saturday, then work 10 hours a day. If you need to work 12 hours a day, then work 12 hours. Do what you gotta do, but make sure you have one 24 hour period where you do absolutely nothing but rest. And when you do that, you honor God and you are His creation. You're honoring His creation. So this morning, life is better at the beach. We've gotta ride the waves just to the motion of God in our lives. Sometimes we have to just breathe, don't we? And then, once again, we need to rest. Let's all stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number for Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.